This is Criterion Creeps. I am Jared Duncan. I am Jared Duncan. And this is the podcast where we're creeping our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, we're on episode three, and we're on spine number three, The Lady Vanishes from 1938. But first, RJ Balog, how the fuck are you? I'm doing pretty good, man. Doing pretty good. Uh, had a roller coaster week. My girlfriend's been out of town for a little while, so I've just been uh, hard slumming it, watching uh, filthy movies and just being a filthy human in general. How how are you doing? I am doing okay. Uh, I'm kind of heading toward the end of summer here, which means I'm mm. uh, fast encroaching on the uh, return of my full time job, and uh, and all that, guys- that entails. Less free yeah. time. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Having to work with other human beings. It's 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 what it is. Yeah, that's kind of why I chose the career route that I did, where I have minimal human contact. Yeah. Um, it's not that I don't like people. It's that usually people don't like me. So, you know, it is what it is. But mm-hmm. I hear you, brother. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess before we start talking about the movie that brought us here today, uh, what else have you been watching? What else have you been creeping on this past week? Creeping? Well, as I said, uh, I've had a lot of time this week. I've been uh, batching it a little bit, so I've been creeping on all sorts of stuff. You've been creeping Um, hard? I've been creeping hard, man. I uh, dug deep into some genres, and some genres dug back at me, so... Where to start, I guess. Um, I'll start at the top. I watched two pretty primo westerns. Mm. Uh, both came out in 1967, huh. <laughs> I didn't plan that. It just happened. Uh, one was The Hellbenders from uh, some Italian bloke. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a pretty good jam. Um, pretty much every sequence in that movie is in a Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah. That's how it seemed to me. Like, top... Top to bottom, I'm I'm not I didn't look it up, but I'm pretty sure even the music was directly lifted and is in like Kill Bill or something. But I could be wrong. Right. If it's not that, it's eerily close. Like like Quentin went to his man, and he was like, "Just do this, but different." So, but that was a good jam. I like that one quite a bit. And uh, the other one I watched was uh, Ombre with uh, Big Paul Newman and. Yeah. Uh, it's got a pretty rad poster. It says uh, "Ombre means man," mm-hmm. and then it says "Paul Newman is Ombre," uh, where he is living off the land, wi- living with the Apache people. Mm-hmm. I think. Okay. Uh, and uh, he he li- it lives up to the hype. He is a man for sure. Yep. So that that was also very good. Um, I did watch a lot of stuff, but those were the high points. The low points, my friend. Uh, I dug into uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, as which one I, as one does, uh, I found that to be a steaming pile of turd. <laughs> um, like, I understand he wanted to do something, like, different for it, uh, and I can see why it would appeal to some people, but I thought it was... You're talking about Toby Hooper? Yeah. Hooper, whatever. Hoop, hoop Tober, that dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, um, I didn't like it. I thought it was really just bad um there was a couple of good scenes in it but uh i thought the worst part was i couldn't even watch it at like a normal volume between like screaming and bill mosley like laughing and that old man just like going on and on like it was so loud like 
I, I was afraid the neighbors were going to come over, like worried about me for watching <laughs> such filth. Like, uh, so that was pretty bad. Um, and then I watched another movie that I might be treating a little unfairly, but it was a uh, Dog Soldiers. I think was it Neil Marshall? Yep. Director directorial debut. Um, yep. He did The Descent, which is just an awesome movie. Um, and Dog Soldiers is movie about a group of like uh irish or british commandos that like get trapped in the woods by like werewolves Mm -hmm. which sounds pretty cool but uh for some reason it just didn't click for me so i don't know other people seem to really enjoy it so there must be something there but i don't know maybe i fell asleep or something i just didn't get what it was all about yeah, well, uh, when I was dropping off a care package to you uh, just the other day, you were uh, just finishing up Dog Soldiers, and um, mm-hmm. I I haven't seen Dog Soldiers since it came out, like in two thousand two on DVD or two thousand three, and uh, yep. I just like looked over at the screen and I was kind of like, oh, what is that? What? Why is it the picture looks so bad? Yeah, <laughs> like where you had paused it, and I was like really mm-hmm. taken aback by how. Um, I'm not sure if it was an issue with the transfer or whatever, but I remember with the uh, Scream Factory Blu-ray that came out uh, this, this past year, um, there yeah. was some talk about how that like really uh, that HDing did not do that movie any favors. It just sounds like they use kind of uh, subpar equipment and uh, like mm-hmm. some bad uh, digital camera stuff that just uh, that doesn't age well at all. Um, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It did not look very good. And like, that's not like a big thing for me. I can get past that, but like, especially for like a debut movie, but he had like some pretty up and coming actors. Like the guy from Rome is in there and uh, Davis Seaworth from Game of Thrones. He was in there too. Mm -hmm. And like another British guy. So it was like, they had some money because like even in, I think 2002 when it came out, like those guys were like up and coming. So I, I don't imagine they just dug the script and were like, sure, we'll just do this for like nothing. Yeah. Not, not everyone's John Goodman and does movies for like no paychecks out of the kindness of his heart. <laughs> well, don't get that word spread too much. I mean, people might start taking advantage of old John, Johnny G. Oh, don't worry. Uh, so what I'm referring to is apparently uh, when Kevin Smith made Red State, they didn't have a ton of money. But uh, John Goodman was like, yeah, I'll do it, whatever. And then I guess like drones of internet people were like losing on kevin smith they're like you they're like you motherfuckers like that man is a national treasure you couldn't even pay him so <laughs> i think that ship that ship has sailed already yeah. uh, i don't think it'll happen again kevin smith ruins it for everyone again <laughs> yep oh man yeah. um well yeah i guess like for other thoughts for those things that you watched uh texas chainsaw massacre 2 i uh, when i watched that for the first time several years ago uh i watched it with some friends and we all thought it was great what a fun time just crazy zany movie it's got dennis hopper with the chainsaw and it's he needed him running around saying bring it yeah. down bring it down bring it all down all that stuff and i was like oh this is amazing movie and then yep. i rewatched it on my own like i guess a sober second look and boy mm-hmm. i didn't like that movie the second time nope. um and I mean, I still don't know why I just ordered the Scream Factory Blu-ray because um, like, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know if this is actually like a, a very good movie, or at least I don't mm-hmm. really like it. Um, but I did it, and uh, there you go. So, 
it, it's now a mixed it's a movie. I mean, I, the only thing I really remember in that movie is Bill Mosley and Incoming Mail as a mm. Chop Top, um, which I don't know. That that's about it. And then the movie's just like lots of like endless woman screaming in like bloody pit of meat in like filth mm-hmm. and detritus. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems like that seems to take up a lot of the runtime. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like and like Bill Mosley, he he was pretty good. I just found his character to be like, like super annoying because like if he if like I know he like he acts like on a like a higher level or something like that. Like he's very like jacked up, which is like part of the appeal. Yeah. But it's like over the top or like even that incoming male thing. He says it fifteen goddamn oh, times oh, in the span of twenty yeah. seconds. He absolutely. So it's does. just like. So like he has good moments, but he does yeah. them like nineteen times in a minute, and you're just like, oh man, you're like, come on, stop! <laughs> you're like, you gotta b- dial it back a little bit, buddy. Yeah, but we- you can't blame him either because the entire movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. So whatever you said there was sounded was amazing, but it apparently uh, was too good for Skype to uh, share with us all. Did, did Skype <laughs> cut off my conversation? Yeah, it, it might have. We'll, we'll see how that... Unbelievable. Yeah. Sorry, man. Skype says well, no go. Um, well, yeah. when we get to TCM2 in the Criterion Collection, you can hear all about it again, I guess. I, yeah, all over again. Um, yeah, and as far as like your uh, two Westerns there, uh, I, I remember in Hombre, uh, the, probably the thing that sticks out most to me in that movie was the um, Richard Boone character. He's sort of like mm-hmm. the menacing, smiling man with the mustache, and you just—I don't know. Yeah. Um, he's just so good. Yeah. Like I, I was—I think that was like the first movie I really started noticing Richard Boone. And then like I looked up his like other credits. I think like his most famous thing was uh, on a TV western show called uh, He Was Paladin, and um, mm-hmm. and so I don't know. I was just whenever I catch him in anything, like uh, one really great movie for, uh, that Twilight Times put out on DVD way when they first started getting into the business was um, the Kremlin Letter, and he is awesome in that movie and that movie is super awesome and i think it's like kind of sad that that movie doesn't go out of print i guess which is kind of a weird mm-hmm. thing to say because um it, which which basically means that that movie's not sold out because i don't think anyone really like, knows it about it but it's yeah. um it's john houston which uh it should be a recommendation in itself i mean maybe i'm wrong on that i'm pretty sure it's uh john houston but it's just like uh, if you're familiar with uh, garth ennis comics and sort of his interest mm-hmm. in um uh kind of espionage and like kind of grim man movies? The, the, yeah men move man movies uh, which movies. is sl- sl- like kind of like uh, runs parallel to dad movies Th- these are oh, yeah. these are man movies um yeah, they go hand in hand yeah but uh, that movie's super terrific richard boone again yeah anything mm-hmm. with him i've watched he's like usually a highlight uh he just brings right. a certain kind of menace and intelligence to his roles um oh yeah yeah he's grand and yeah hell hellbenders is just like good old-fashioned rotten uh kind of spaghetti western stuff um oh, yeah so good there's that one dude who just punches everybody he like he punches that old lady in the head he punches that young lady in the head yeah. he punches his son like right in the dick like he punches <laughs> everybody and it's just awesome like he's doing bad stuff but he's like you're like yeah man punch that old lady like I don't want that to get out there, but it it was pretty cool, is what I what I mean. He was pretty badass. Absolutely. Well, speaking of uh, people getting punched, I rewatched uh, uh, Char- Charles Bronson in 
Walter Hill's 1975 classic, Hard Times. And that movie basically is all about Charles Bronson shirtlessly beating the shit out of dudes. And it's pretty great. Him and James Coburn uh, team up to hustle up some cash on the, uh, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, underground bare knuckle fighting circuit. Uh, down yeah. in Louisiana and boy uh, that movie uh, I just love it it's really cool mm-hmm. um, for me it's it's like my Rocky <laughs> oh yeah um, yeah but yeah Hard Times is just super like I, Charles Bronson's the best I mean yeah. we'll, you'll notice a theme that Charles Bronson's been brought up now uh, three episodes in a row um, yeah I yeah he, he, three, he he's three won episodes, my heart three episodes in a row which is also fitting with like my catchphrase or my theme, I guess, is I don't know if you knew know this, but Hard Times was originally titled Hard Abs. Yeah. And uh, they put it out. They tested it. And um, it was making people like sexually upset in theaters because it was Bronson's just so, so empowering, you know, yeah. like a lot of people left um, injured. So mm. they had to change it because it just came with too much abs, you know. Yeah, and yeah. Actually, speaking of abs, I just have one more thing that I watched this week. Okay, and I'll be brief. Yeah, because I've brought it up a couple times. But I watched the ultimate rage edition of Batman v Superman. And if you're not familiar with this, it's the the director's cut, basically, that they put out with about thirty extra minutes. Um, so if you couldn't tell, I like this movie, and I've talked about that before. But having watched this uh, new cut with like extra footage. I don't see how anyone couldn't like this movie. Like, I think it fixes a lot of the problems people talk about. And if you're interested, you can go to my letterbox and see my second review. I, I articulate it pretty good there. But the reason I brought it up is that movie, uh, unlike the theatrical cut, has 100% more Ben Affleck butt. Uh, it's got a full <laughs> shower scene. Hey, now. Which is, which is just... Like it makes the, the the hips quiver is how good it is. So uh, that movie had some pretty uh, solid muscles, and uh, yeah, the director cuts uh, a real real deal. So people out there in Creepland should check it out. Yeah, uh, I I think I did buy that uh, day of release uh, in a steel oh, yeah. steel book. Um, Fucking right, I, I, but I have yet to actually uh, watch rewatch it. I guess because I did see mm-hmm. it in theater, I thought it was fine it was good i liked it well yep. enough it's yep. it's not without problems but i thought it was good mm-hmm. not near the uh i don't know the joy that people it's got out of like eight. complaining about it about things that mm-hmm. all their favorite movies seem to also suffer from but we'll just not care about it in this case or we'll really care about it in this case i don't know it's a weird situation those internet culture and dc movies mm-hmm. um yeah, I guess that's a discussion for another day. For another day, because um, I could go on for hours and hours. Yeah, no, but no one's interested. No, not I, I'm not interested. <laughs> not anymore, because you've already heard it several times. Yeah, yeah and yep, that's a, that's but a fact. That um, brings us to a good transition. What have you been creeping on this uh, week? Well, other than hard times, let's see here. Well, um, I guess I will mention that I watched the uh, Michael Crichton uh, 1978 movie Coma, starring uh, Michael Douglas. That movie mm-hmm. is uh, basically it's medical horror. Um, uh, yeah, it's, right. it's it's kind of kind of a I don't know. There's certain like uh, it's very similar in some ways to. Uh, 
uh, Andromeda Strain, which was written by Michael Crichton, but directed by Robert Wise, right. where there's just these like presentations of like institutions and like the whole like medical world and like the, the human body and that like sort of like really unpleasant experience of like trying to make mm-hmm. people's make, trying to like improve life, but doing it in these like really cold calculated ways. That are just, un- I don't know, they, they make you uneasy. Like, the whole opening of the movie, it's, like, Michael Crichton, who it was a doctor himself, kind of, like, laying out the entire procedure of being uh, put under anesthetics. And um, it's just, like, and the, the whole procedure he selects of all things is this, like, perfectly healthy young woman uh, going in for an abortion. And just, like, the mm-hmm. whole process of, like, kind of, like, uh, getting... Um, prepped for that and then it's all being you're being talked through it all and it's like kind of like oh right. like it's one thing you're, you get to watch it all laid out but the, the gimmick of the movie is that um someone is intentionally putting carbon monoxide into the anesthetic and mm-hmm. it's causing brain damage which puts these patients into a coma which then means that these coma patients are transported to uh, another institute called the jefferson institute and the whole i mean this is spoiler territory but i guess uh, it, it Sure. one of those spots in my life that I always love this stuff where uh, the bodies are being kept as uh, basically it's or, or it's an organ harvesting scheme awesome <laughs> and uh, yes yeah, so basically they're taking all these young uh, supple uh, healthy bodies uh, inducing coma in these people who went in for like basic surgeries and they don't come out on the other side but then the their uh, internal organs are being uh, uh, auctioned off to the highest bidder through this Jefferson Institute and it's all being run by the evil um chief uh medical officer man mm. dude and it's up to um michael douglas who's the boyfriend to the actual main character uh who's played by uh, genevieve uh, bujold who's really good in the movie i like that mm-hmm. it's like it's not a all-time killer classic of a movie but i think for like 70s thriller type of stuff it's pretty competent um yep. and exp- i don't know it, it it's a good it takes you to a really good space um, sounds pretty cool i'd want to check that out yeah but isn't that the premise of frozen oh yeah <laughs> you mean, know that yeah yeah it's a knockoff of uh yeah, yeah elsa and uh olaf and all the all the classic characters uh yeah it's just coma bar- organ harvesting snowmen that's, and, well, that's sad that disney can't get original ideas they have to copy yeah. steal from michael Crichton. yeah well i mean yeah. steal from the best yeah that's true yeah. i guess yeah. Uh when my my stinker was uh watching oh. the 1983 film Crawl. Um Ugh. yeah, cr- Crawl is bad. <laughs> uh there's no love in my heart for Crawl. I never watched it as a kid. Uh it came out the year I was born. And mm-hmm. uh yeah, I mean, I probably could have just gone the rest of my life never watching Crawl, but I don't know, I'm an idiot. And sometimes I'll like I'll give anything a chance. Sometimes you should say no mm-hmm. to that impulse cuz otherwise you're just going to waste 2 hours of your life watching like badly composited flying horses with flaming hooves, um hilariously mm-hmm. bad like cyclops makeup. Um one okay, one one good bit is that it's got a really amazing giant spider. It looked yeah, yeah. it looked really good. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, so looks really good, but everything else about that movie is like just boring. Uh, the main dude in that movie, oh, what's his name again? I was like wondering, I'm like, who is this guy? Like, I don't think I've ever Some seen piece him. Of shit. Ken Marshall, uh, aka Ken Marshall. piece of shit. Yeah, he's like, I think yeah. his like biggest accolade was that he became like a regular regular character on uh, Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. That, uh, reaching for the stars, yeah, eh? reaching literally. Yeah. 
Literally. literally. Yeah. Uh, well, I uh, I actually have seen Kroll, uh, however you say that, uh, when yeah. I was a little kid. And uh, when I saw that you would watch that, the uh, only thing that came to mind was flying horses. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you were saying earlier, you're like, yeah, there's just flying horses in there, which, you know, sounds pretty cool. But uh, Kroll doesn't do it super slick so i i haven't seen it for 20 plus years but uh i feel like you're being a little hard on it so (laughs) it's just man like sword and sorcery movies from the 80s like there's about like Mm -hmm. about a hundred of those things but pretty well almost every single one of them i've ever watched are bad movies um i haven't found one that i've actually really liked even conan the barbarian not that good kind of on the boring side save like the kind of final raid on the bad guy's base at the end of that movie um, which yeah. is basically moved by that music because but other than that oh what a what a waste of my time every single one of those movies in, I've checked out have been it's just terrible I don't know what movies you were watching but did you even see Arnold Schwarzenegger's abs in that movie or his biceps even Jesus uh, man can you really build a movie on those well, obviously, you can. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger has <laughs> built a 50 year movie career solely on that. So, uh, I, I give him more. I give him credit for more than that, though. He he has. Yeah, he's pretty charismatic. He, he's, yeah, he's got that charisma. He's got uh, Dwayne Johnson levels of charisma. This is true. This yeah. is true. Some would say he's the original Dwayne Johnson. Some would say. I wouldn't. Yeah. But uh, some do say that. Yeah. Um, Any, anyhow yeah that's i guess that's about all i'll uh that's about what i've watched um <laughs> yeah well uh how about how about some news have you heard the good news there rj uh i've heard some news uh it's far from good mm-hmm. but uh i got two two pieces of um news for you and then uh, after that i think you and me are both itching to strike at some blu-ray news oh, yeah. but uh we can wait for that uh my first little bit of news for you is that this week uh, they released a picture of the new Pennywise for the new remake, uh, Stephen King's It, yep. the new remake from the uh, guy who directed Mama. Uh, did you see this photo I, of Pennywise? I, I, I did. I did see that. Photo. Uh, I think it looks like absolute dump. Um, <laughs> it's like a weird Victorian era, like Seinfeld puffy shirt. Like kind of thing with like high pantaloons and like bonbons and or like pom poms like everywhere. Um, I guess they said they want to go for like a timeless look, but it just looks dumb. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, isn't the point of like when Pennywise is a clown to be like chart like to entice like kids to him? Like, not actually be scary. Like, isn't that why Tim Curry's clown, like, actually looked like a clown? Like, because it, like, lures you in with, like, a false sense of safety. Not, like, because, like, if you were a kid and you saw that thing, you'd be like, all right, yeah, that thing's definitely going to rape me. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? What, what did, basically what I'm saying is it looks like a gigolo with a puffy shirt. What do you think? Hmm. Well, like, I'm just pulling it up here for myself to uh, examine it. I definitely, right. yeah, it's like. He's like wearing almost the balloons. Like he's got the the puffy collar, mm-hmm. um, and it's you know we, last week when we were talking about this like uh, how westerns kind of all look like crap nowadays. Yeah, um, it's kind of like I mean let's talk about uh, 
advertising and marketing of movies and like just like how many filters and like mm-hmm. tweaks that this image has been given um oh, yeah. i just like there's like nothing to even say about it like it doesn't look like a film still it is just no. like i don't know i could like some asshole could have drawn this and i who mm-hmm. i don't know there's nothing to i don't know really i have, i don't feel one way about it it's, at this point it's left you completely speechless is what you're saying <laughs> yeah no i just i don't know well, well, We'll see. We'll wait till that yeah. first trailer hits, and then uh, I'll get mad or just we'll be super disappointed because um, at that one point when we had a uh, True Detective season one writer uh, Kerry Fukunawa uh, on oh, board yeah. to like mm-hmm. write that, I mean that would have been something worth talking about. This is just like, yep, another remake, another another attempt, remake, another attempted stuff. Well, so I'm with you. I'll wait till it comes out. Like, I'm going to see this son of a bitch regardless. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll judge it then. But it's like, I think last week, the uh, director and producers were like, uh, yeah, it's going to be like Stranger Things. And I was like, what? I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Because like Stranger Things is like just a rip off of like Spielberg and Stephen King. Anyways, like, like Stranger Things is basically like it meets E.T. So it's like, don't the people who made this realize that they're, what they're saying it's like was something that was based off of, of the actual source material that they were using? Like, yeah. did they not get that? Or Well, the, the obvious visual metaphor that comes to mind immediately when you uh, talk about that is just Ouroboros, just the snake eating its own tail. Yeah. <laughs> and, so... it, 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 and it doesn't know what it's doing. It just, it just thinks it's like getting mm-hmm. ahead, but it's just, no... Let's just keep repeating things and not actually know what's going on. I, yeah. So that that left me a little bit sour. Yeah. So as you said, we'll see. Mm. Um, my other piece of news for you, Jer, yeah, is that uh, it was announced today that they're gonna make a remake, uh, an action adventure remake of Jonathan Lynn's 1985 classic Clue. Oh. So. I don't know what you think about this, but I actually have pretty fond memories of Clue. I watched it when I was a little kid. Another slam jammer with Tim Curry. I mean, that guy can't do anything wrong. I think Martin Mole is in there too. Doesn't really matter. But like uh, the fact that they describe it as an action adventure sounds really dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't need to remake this. The nope. first one had Tim Curry, Christopher Lloyd, Martin Mole, like. Well, other than Martin Mull, like Tim Curry and Christopher Lloyd, those are some pretty all-time dudes. Like, I don't want to see anything with like it's going to be like Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill, and I don't know Scarlett Johansson probably. So, <laughs> sounds silly. And uh, I don't know. What do you think about this Clue remake? Uh, I've ne- I never saw the uh, the first Clue. Get out of here. No. Uh, and I played the board game Clue with my sister. And friends when I was in elementary school. I think I remember buying a copy of it in uh, Medicine Hat. And, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. That's about all I know about Clue. I I had not heard about this news. Um, Mm -hmm. Basically, in my mind, it's like, oh, it's another movie based on a uh, board game franchise. That's that's amazing. Um, like I remember, but it was one they did thirty years ago. I, I don't even know. Like I remember, there was like there, like Ridley Scott Monopoly or something. <laughs> like oh, I, I have no, I don't even know if that was real or fake in this twenty uh, first century uh, <laughs> postmodern world. But uh, yeah, it sounds too bad to be fake. Like uh, I, I know. it sounds like it was actually going to happen. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so silly things. Yeah, it's very. Uh, 
silly things. Um, well, my uh, my news that I'd like to bring attention to was just the other mm-hmm. day. Um, I saw that there uh, is talk about doing another Sherlock Holmes movie. But another have, guy, Richie. Oh no! But have you heard this at all? Uh, who, who they're no. look, they're looking at for their um, uh, Holmes and Watson. And this is news to me, buddy. Uh, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. I like John C. Riley. Yeah, I well, like John C. Riley a, a lot. Just like a few months ago, I watched Step Brothers for the first time. Um, oh yeah, I like that movie a great deal. Um, mm-hmm. I for some reason I just I made a point of avoiding that movie because I remember when I first saw that trailer I kind of figured mm-hmm. that that movie could never live up to what my imagination was because I always thought that Will Ferrell and John C. Riley probably really are brothers and yeah. so when watching Step Brothers it was like a dream come true but now mm-hmm. we're we're gonna get that reunion once more and I'm I'm kind of optimistic but not really but I that was like something I was like surprisingly excited by. Did they say, is it a period piece or is it like present day? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I hope it's a period piece. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm in. I'd watch that. I'll yeah. watch John T. Riley all day. So yeah. I- I'm in, man. I I had the young or the old bull. Now I want the young calf, as he would say. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they'll have a, a role for uh, Richard, Richard Jenkins? Jenkins. Yeah. I fucking hope so, man. I think every movie should have Richard Jenkins in it. Yeah. Yeah, that um, would improve everything. Absolutely. Um, well, that's, I mean, for uh, garbage movie news, that's, uh, we've got you covered. Um, oh, but, yeah. But my, oh, man, just the other day, huge November release news from Criterion. By God. Betcha. Number you betcha. So we got fucking One-Eyed Jacks, which I, a year ago, I was like kind of on this Western kick, and that was one of those movies, I'm like, I should check that out. But then I found, oh, there's like only garbage, like copies of it that exist in the world. None of them look mm-hmm. good, and it's like apparently been edited, and like, what's the point of watching this? And now Criterion has delivered uh, a goddamn definitive version of it, finally, from the looks of it. Um, right. We got uh, Kurosawa's Dreams, which I'm probably a lot less excited by, because I don't know if I've ever heard anything super great about it. Um, I think it's an mythology yeah. story I, I think he does all four parts but maybe he doesn't i'm not 100 sure um we've got noah Baumbach's the squid and the whale which is probably like i already have that dvd and i don't know if that movie is going to be greatly improved by hd mm-hmm. other than we'll get to see like kids masturbating more um sure. and then like the these last two uh just last week we uh were talking about lone wolf and cub with that uh, mm-hmm. paul pope uh packaging well we are oh, yeah. now definitely getting lone wolf and cub and mm-hmm. uh my, the the biggest prize of them all though was uh pt anderson's punch drunk love is is finally coming to uh hd in blu-ray and i couldn't be happier i think that's probably one of the best american movies ever made um mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like i kind of go between like what my favorite of his movies are uh boogie nights punch drunk love there will be blood um and yep. like i i don't know Punch Drunk Love. I I got to see that movie in theater uh, while it was probably Mm -hmm. in town for about a week. Um, And uh, my friend and I, we were like the only people in there laughing at like everything because that movie is like super subtle and just like Mm -hmm. all the uh, nuance of just every detail in that movie is so great. The cinematography is beautiful. Um, Those color fields stick in my mind still. Uh, I bought Mm -hmm. that soundtrack like the same week that it came out when that movie was out and I love that soundtrack I still listen to it um 
yeah. So like, like I'm stoked. Uh, I'm going to be broke in, uh, oh, yeah. what is that? November. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. that's, I'm going to be a poor bastard. Um, luckily these movies all correspond with, uh, the Barnes and Noble sale. So Ooh. that, that's going to help out a little bit. Um, yeah. so, uh, what are you excited about? Uh, absolutely. Like what you just said, like, uh, when I saw punch drunk love on there, it's one of my absolute favorite movies. Uh, it's one of my five arc movies. If I were to bring five on an arc, yeah. it would be number three, I think. Uh, it's one that I've wanted <clears throat> on the Criterion Collection forever. It's my favorite P, uh, PT movie. Um, I, I don't even know what to say. I guess I'll wait for that episode eight years from now to talk about it but <laughs> that movie's fucking amazing i like it so much i almost got a philip seymour hoffman mattress man tattoo at one point in my life mattress man that's how mattress man and then uh, some pudding so uh i almost got that inked for real life but uh maybe it'll still happen one day um no there's nothing better than that there's no use even talking about any any other news and that that's coming out because i think that's fucking amazing yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't stated in the special features, but wouldn't it be fucking amazing if he had like a commentary on there? Like, does he do commentaries for his movies? I don't think so, um, right? He did do a commentary for Boogie Nights back when it came out on Laserdisc from Criterion, um, right. which then got brought over onto the DVD that New Line did. Um, but yeah, I can't. I, I, he lo- he's a big Criterion fan. Mm-hmm. He's on record saying that, so I would not. I'd be really surprised if he doesn't do a commentary. Like, I don't think he does it for like any of his recent stuff, but I could see like, I mean, this is probably a big deal because this is like the first mm-hmm. uh, P.T. Anderson since Boogie Nights that's actually been released by Criterion. Um, right. So yeah, I'm I'm hoping that this thing like just knocks it out of the park and just like, mm-hmm. it's everything we ever hoped for. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe not even a commentary, like even just like an interview would be awesome. Yeah. Like any, any, any PTA news or like, just stuff of him talking I can get I would take in a heartbeat because I, I fucking that dude rules and uh that's my favorite movie of his so I am beyond excited for it yeah no that yeah. that news made my day year week I don't know it was wicked darn, I'm, darn so, tootin'. I'm so happy um anyway yeah so that's news unless you have anything else you want to throw out there uh nope can't beat that man nope Nothing can top that. Well, after the break, we're going to be talking about Alfred Hitchcock and this woman that disappeared for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Lady, when you're with me, I'm smiling. Touch me and my troubles are fade Lady, from the moment I saw you Standing, whoa, 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 alone You gave all the love that I needed So shy like a 
And we're back. And we're discussing The Lady Vanishes from 1938, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, spine number three in the Criterion Collection. So Alfred Hitchcock directs the screenplays by Sidney uh, Gilliant and Frank Laudner. Uh, it's based on the 1937 novel The Wheel Spins by Ethel uh, Lionel White. The story starts in a fictional European country of Bandrika at a resort that's train line is temporarily closed due to an avalanche. We are introduced to our ensemble cast, headlined by Michael Redgrave and Margaret Lockwood. Margaret Lockwood is Iris, uh, an English tourist who is having one last run with the girls before having to go back home and get married. Michael Redgrave is Gilbert Redman, uh, a man of music, and they have their meet-cute at the hotel. Uh, we're introduced to uh, two uh, critic enthusiasts, uh, Charters and Caldecott. And uh, oh, we're also introduced to Miss Froy and several other eccentric characters. Um, hijinks ensue. Um, and then the next day, I guess they clear off that avalanche off the train tracks. Uh, mm-hmm. Everyone it catches their train, but there's sort of an awkward attempt on the uh, concussing Miss Froy, but Iris hap- uh, mistakenly takes the hit. And then we get some concussion cam. Uh, which could be the first in film history. Miss um, mm-hmm. Foy starts helping Iris out, who's obviously been injured. Uh, she buys her some tea and lets her fall asleep with a concussion. When Iris wakes <laughs> up, uh, Miss Foy is gone, and all these creepy European baronesses and Italian magicians are just looking at her and saying, there was no Miss Foy. What are you talking about? Um mm-hmm. A brain surgeon named Dr. Hertz uh, on the train explains away all her problems as just a figment of her uh, concussion that that couldn't have happened. What are you talking about? You're just confused. Um, 
and she's about to give up, but she doubles down when evidence of Miss Foy's existence is confirmed. What's going to happen next? Espionage, druggings, beatings, and a shootout all ensue as the fate of something very important best left to the imagination are at stake. Hmm. Um, yeah, that is The Lady Vanishes. And uh, RJ, what did you think? I thought your description was pretty hot. I'll start with that. Thank you. I, I like I like the way you uh, you ran that down. If I were to describe it, I would have just said an old old ass lady gets lost on a train. That's it. Um, <laughs> I thought this movie was or this film. Sorry, this film. Oh. I thought this film was I like. I thought it was okay. I thought there were some pretty cool things. Some nice Hitchcockian things like the start you see that little town and it's like miniature set or something I thought that was pretty cool um there are individual scenes that I like uh on the whole I kind of I, I don't know I just I, I I guess I wasn't really into it like I think it's it's a pretty good movie but there are certain things that pulled me out of it and uh I don't know it's it's not an ultimate slam jammer for me I'll say that um, what did you think of this movie? I like this movie a lot. I, okay. uh, at this point, it's probably my favorite of the movies we've talked about so far. Um, okay. and I was really surprised by that. Like years, yeah. so years ago, I, I had a, there's like an Alfred Hitchcock, like 10 great films or something like that, but it's all like his public domain early movies, like everything from like the lodger or blackmail, his first thing all the way to like Mm -hmm. 1939, like Jamaican Inn before he transitions to America. And like, so I had to like kind of try to piece my way through those, but those are really crappy looking, uh, in public domain, like no, like seventh generation prints of his movies and they're really not the best way of experiencing them and that's how i've seen right. like 39 steps um mm-hmm. and uh lady vanishes before and honestly up until um uh, maybe a year a couple years ago all these all those movies had really blurred for me like i kind of thought right. that this movie was like sabotage or maybe uh like saboteur one of the, one of the movies i wasn't sure it was this mm-hmm. particular one i just specifically remember uh, a train in a forest and like a shootout happening right and i was always like oh which one's that but um mm-hmm. So when, when when this movie was like kind of next on the docket, I was kind of like, mm-hmm. oh man, like uh, there's certain expectations I have of like 1930s films, particularly British movies. Um, like the right. technical uh, panache isn't quite there yet. Like the sound's going to be like have a high windiness and it's going to be like mm-hmm. sometimes the dialogue's going to be a little bit too fastly spit. Um, spoken and it's gonna be like right. really tough to follow and uh so i and preempting that i made sure i had the subtitles on so i could uh, mm-hmm. at least read what they're saying and like catch like uh i don't know sometimes it's i find actually i watch a lot of movies now with subtitles on even when they're in english it just seems to like right. wow, work better for me um but yeah i know watching this movie i mean my attention was totally like caught up in everything um mm-hmm. and like I can definitely see why a lot of people would not just be kind of like, eh, it's okay. Like I can totally see that, but there seemed to be a lot of things going on in this movie that like, I just found like endlessly interesting. Um, like, I guess the first thing is like, uh, I started looking at like the special features and like listening to the commentary mm-hmm. tracks and stuff like that. And like, there's like lots of fascinating things about the movie, like the, that the whole like train thing, it like the whole, um, 
carriage or whatever. It's a yeah. 90, it's one set. It's a ninety foot set, and uh, mm-hmm. that's really impressive when you start breaking down scenes. Um, and then there's like the miniatures yeah. in it. Actually, the movie reminded me a lot of Wes Anderson's later movies, mm-hmm. like uh, Darjeel- yeah, uh, Darjeeling Limited uh, and like Grand yeah. Budapest Hotel, because it's like mm-hmm. you get like first of all you get like this movie that's like a lot of it set on a train, um, mm-hmm. and then you actually have this like fictional European country, and uh, which also actually has a lot of like key moments that happen on trains with sort of mm-hmm. like this like uh, faint fascist government kind of coming into place and again like with grand illusion which was 37 38 i mean looming world war ii is definitely kind of the backdrop for uh the lady vanishes um um but yeah no uh one of the things i should have asked you before jumping right in was um how how many hitchcock movies have you watched before uh so this was yeah at this point i think seven Okay. Um, I, I did look it up before, and I think it was either six or seven, because uh, preemptively I uh, I made a top five Hitchcock list before we got into this, just in case. And uh, I, actually, it was six, and uh, I actually only got four on there uh, that I actually thought were really good. There was two that I left off. One was this movie, and the other was North by Northwest, which I talked about before. Yeah. I thought that was just okay. Um, no, yeah, so I've seen six. That's not a ton, but mm-hmm. uh, it's I've seen the the big ones, I guess I should say. The universal um, stuff. Yeah. So, like, I have, like, there are things that I didn't quite like about it, and I can, like, I can get into that now, or if you want to keep talking about, like, the things you enjoyed, because, like, I think that's, like, the set stuff and the behind-the-scenes things, what you were just describing sounds really interesting, but, like, I didn't watch any of that. I just, all I watched was the movie, right? So... That's all I'm kind of taken away from it. Okay. Um, yeah. So I guess, I mean, my thing with like uh, Alfred Hitchcock movies, I guess, is um, I think my mom actually kind of introduced me to him because she would mm-hmm. like, when I was like a little kid, she would have like like Alfred Hitchcock Presents playing on television. And right. so, I mean, like that, like uh, the music from that, that uh, Funeral March of a Marionette um, which is the actual mm-hmm. name of that dun 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 music, which I didn't realize. I always just thought that was like, oh, it's Alfred Hitchcock music, not that it's like, oh, mm-hmm. it's this like piece of music from like the 1800s. Um, and so, I mean, like, talk about like the 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 Hitchcock brand, <laughs> just like completely <laughs> yeah. overtaking this song um, and defining it. But like, yeah, right. my mom, like, I think for her, like, her, like, she always just talked about the birds and, like, how the birds is, like, the scariest movie she's ever seen in her life. And so I remember, like, uh, when I was, like, eight or nine years old, I always had heard that, like, oh, man, mm-hmm. the birds. And But I remember uh, at, like, one of the, like, at Blockbuster, they would, they actually had all these, like, universal Hitchcock movies. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, that was, like, kind of, like, my, probably the, one of the first, like, movie things where, like, I was, uh, I had a concept of who a director was. And mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, he's just kind of like weird, um, obese, bald man who talks funny and he's kind of like yeah. snotty. And so I was like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. going to watch these movies because they sound really all cool. They're all about like uh, like sex slayers or like dudes creep, yeah. creeping out of windows or people falling out of buildings. Mm-hmm. It's like they, these all sound really cool. Way better than, I don't know, kid cartoons. And I don't, I'm, not, sure. I'm not a kid. So yeah. I've always had this weird, like, I don't know, I was exploring Hitchcock movies, like, long, long ago. And then, like, um, I remember, like, uh, when I started like, having, like, a little bit of money, like, uh, Universal had put out their, like, a line of, like, Hitchcock movies on VHS and, like, Music mm-hmm. World at the time, like, uh, when uh, 
music store, they actually had like all those DVDs and I would just like kind of cherry pick them as I went. So like, I've been just like always interested in Hitchcock movies. I love the look of them. They always look just like, they look so different than every other director's movies. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I'd never, I'd never really got into his old stuff until like the, I got that cheap DVD set and like, and like that time I was like, "Eh, not the most pleasant memories. I just found them like kind of drainy Mm -hmm. and boring movies, but watching it on Blu-ray this time around, uh, it just, everything kind of like snapped into place for me. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to think of where's a good place to uh, start with it. I guess, um, um, yeah, the impressive sets, the, mm-hmm. I don't know, there's like the, all these things that you take for granted. Um, and I talked about this a little bit, I think on seven samurai where like you have like a, uh, commentary track that's like bringing your attention to like the, um, uh, water in light kind of like, kind of reflecting off of like a head. It just like kind of creating tension in a scene. And like, I was like, when I was re when I was watching, um, lady vanishes, there's like the shaking of the train car, the shifting mm-hmm. light, there's the sound, uh, the use of rear projection. Um, and it's all really mm-hmm. effective. And like, it really, you, you really aren't aware that you're watching a fake train. Um, mm-hmm. other than you obviously have to be, um, at yeah. this point in time. Um, Another thing I found interesting uh, with the movie um, is it's another pre-World War II movie, but this one, as mm. in contrast to Grand Illusion, is this movie seems to have a, I don't know if I'd call it a pro-war attitude. Because, um, like, the movie's one yeah. pacifist character, uh, uh, an Englishman, who, like, li- who wants nothing to do with anything on the train. He wants no responsibility. He's in it for himself. Yeah, uh, yeah he gets shot dead. <laughs> uh, for, he, he had it coming. Wh- wh- while, like... Uh, kind of uh uh chamberlaining it or chamberlaining mm-hmm. it uh by saying oh we by acquiescing to the uh, threat and uh yeah he gets shot dead so that there's a lesson there um yep. in my notes here i wrote uh one of my a good quote or a good like, expression that was used in the film confounded impudence <laughs> Ooh, um, that is pretty good yeah um there, oh, innuendo abounds in this movie. Um, there's mm-hmm. that scene when they're uh, at the like hotel in um, where like all the uh, girls are like kind of in their room, and like you get oh, to yeah. see, you get to see some knees, buddy. You get to see, and it's like I mean, you get knees, you get ankles, you get you almost get a gam. It's pretty good. Yeah, you get the yeah, a whole gam, and it's like even like for how little like I, I kind of went on a um, uh, pre-code kick. Um, probably this year. And I remember like, just like finding out about like, kind of like the weird sexuality things that you could and couldn't do. And then the stuff they try to slip in there. Um, and like, I was like really surprised. I was like, Whoa, this seems like way sexier than like, uh, cause usually some people would like talk about sexiness in these movies and you go, what the fuck are they talking about? But we see like those girls legs on the table. You're like, Hey, like, man, this is like really, uh, uh, pushing it but apparently oh, it, got, yeah. it got by the censors they they didn't really get it and i'm like that's incredible mm-hmm. it's pretty goddamn obvious uh looking at it now mm-hmm. um how did you like the uh Bandurekin language how, how, how do you feel um, about fictional languages in film <laughs> fictional languages yeah it really caught me off guard at first because i was watching i was like i was like wait a second is this something I'm, I'm supposed to be listening to? Because yeah. there was like, there was no uh, subtitles at that point. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and I was really, I was really confused. And then, and then it never came back. So, um, well, maybe it did. Maybe I didn't notice if it came back. I thought it was all right. 
Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think four or different languages are all right when mm-hmm. you use them good. Yeah. So that was okay. Uh, uh, so what, so uh, another thing too is uh, when I was like reading about this and like listening to commentary tracks, the one thing that gets, gets kind of brought up is the relationship of the uh, cricket enthusiasts, uh, Charters and Caldicott. And they're like, well, I mean, yeah. this is like a, a possible same-sex relationship being depicted in 1938. Mm. And I just like, nah, that just seems like kind of, I didn't, I don't know, wishful thinking or like thinking there's something there. Like, uh, I think someone put it as like uh, Hitchcock's uh, like curiosity with queerness or something like that. And I'm mm. like, I don't know. There's like the bit like where the, the, the two, the two guys are sharing a bed and it's like, yeah, that's for laughs. It's like, Oh, it's so funny. Yeah. There's two men in the same bed. What could they possibly have in common to be in the same bed? It's just like, I don't know. That's that 1930s grandpa humor. <laughs> yeah. I thought, I thought that was just goo- like goofiness. I never yeah. once, is, I never once got the impression that mm. it was like, these dudes were like banging. <laughs> they were just like two do- goofy dudes that like, like you could tell it seemed like they'd just been best friends forever. So they were super comfortable with each other. Um, they shared a bed because like the entire like intro to the inn is that it's like overpacked because the train was closed and they like weren't used to accommodating that much. So like they go down to the dining room and they, there's not even food there for them. So the one, and then the one guy eats all the cheese without giving it to the other guy. And the guys, he says something like, don't Bogart the cheese or something. Yeah. Basically verbatim. So I thought that was funny. No, I just took it as like two best friends. I don't think there's yeah. any like hidden agenda between those characters. <laughs> no, not at all. They were just not at all. playful dudes. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been called a playful dude before, Jerry. So uh, take that as you will. What, what do you think of this film's uh, depictions of uh, brain surgery and, and a brain surgeon? Well, as a... Um, as a grad student that actually uh, dabbles, not in surgery, but uh, in the brain as a neuroscience student, thought it was spot on, thought it was perfect. It's just like in a, what's that, um, that train movie with Christopher Lee? Uh, oh, 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 uh, oh uh, de- terror, oh, it's not terror train. Devil, yeah. Something express. Yeah. Terror, terror express. Terror. So or is that what it is? Okay. Oh, anyways, well, whatever out. you look it up, and I'll just talk. the The way that they explain science in that movie is fucking amazing. Where Horror it's like, Express. Horror Express. There you go. Um, I think that is the ultimate take on a pre, uh, pre competent science where like or like movie science. Yeah. Where they're like they remove the eyelid. They're like the last image is burned in the eye, and then like they drain the brain of liquids. They're like the memories are in the liquid. And it's like you can look through his entire evolutionary history and there's like they put the brain liquid in a like a beaker and like look at it or like in a Petri dish and like look at it under a microscope. And it's like a dinosaur. It's like, look, his his ancestors saw dinosaurs. So I think the reason I brought it up is Horror Express is basically the the pinnacle of fake movie science. So but I did think I did think the doctor was kind of funny. Um, that actually it's the way he like plays the girl off like obviously so spoilers but like obviously he had like an ulterior motive there to do that but I thought like that really fit in with all of this like 1930s like borderline misogyny where they're like everyone's like you stupid girl or like silly girl and then like there's a dude who's like having an affair with that girl and he's like shut up 
he's like don't he's like don't cause any ruckus i don't want anyone to see you but then like hitchcock kind of flipped that around because his female characters were, were strong so like the lady who was the adulteress she she turned it back on that bad boy yeah so like it was there but he did kind of nicely flip it i guess but yeah I, I thought so. The, to answer your question in a very long-winded way, I thought the science was fitting for what it needed to be. Right. Um, yep. we, oh, we also got some like hardcore littering uh, in this film. The scene oh, yeah. where like the one uh, employee on the train just throws the garbage right out the side of the train. Right the, it just yeah. just dumps it right out, which then turns into uh, supplying an important uh, piece of evidence to convince uh, Michael Redgrave of uh, of um, Iris's story. Um, yeah. We also get a calf in a wicker basket. I actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I have it highlighted in my notes uh, as one of the best pe- or one of the best things of the movie. I thought that was just really fun because yeah. I've never seen that. I came from a farm family, and I don't think I ever had a calf in a wicker basket. Right. So that's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, well, related directly to that calf in a wicker basket. Uh, right after that, we then we got the storage room brawl, which uh, oh, yeah. I, I believe I made the note. This was not exactly uh, green room, <laughs> which I think oh. is like like yeah. the, like uh, so on the commentary track they actually talked about it because I guess um so they went to shoot that scene and Michael Redgrave, whose like entire experience as an actor was on the stage. He like complained right. to Hitchcock that it's like, well, we're doing this fight scene. We need like, like three weeks of time to like choreograph this to make it look mm-hmm. good. And Hitchcock's like, yeah, well this is movies and you get three minutes. And yeah. Um, right. So yeah, Michael Redgrave hated it and mm-hmm. Hitchcock knew it sucked, I guess. Like it just like, cause it's yeah. so, like, it, it, it's like laughs. Like it doesn't like come off as like particularly urgent whatsoever. Um, yeah. that's, it's, it's not threatening at all. Like there's a point no. where the guy has like a knife at his throat and he's like, little help, darling. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, I'm trying, babe. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, there's, oh, here's another, uh, great line that I, I, I capture. Uh, there is no flesh, just lumps of raw bumps i think or just like it's like yeah or describing like you raw butts so it's like yeah it's the bit where Whoa. um there's like the uh fake body that's like moved in to they oh, yeah, replace yeah. the uh, uh miss foy with yeah mm-hmm. um yeah there's like an, a theme emerging too between a couple of these movies we've talked about with, with uh mm-hmm. grand illusion and uh lady vanishes is this idea of like borders like national border lines right. and getting across them in time with mm. before getting caught by uh germans or, or like german fake stand-in fictional german um sellouts mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting like this whole idea of like nationality like or like um nationalism i guess that like is still an undercurrent because i mean right. like really this movie like takes total aim at like the English and stuff like that. Like it kind of like has fun at the whole idea of like Englishness mm-hmm. abroad and like sort of like this, um, obliviousness and like, it's kind of like almost educational to like, you know, fuck pacifism. We, we got to step up yeah. guys. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's totally mm-hmm. in line with, um, sort of like what Churchill's going to be coming along with mm-hmm. and like right away. Um, Oh yeah. I liked yeah. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I like I like the way they played it off like that. I thought that, well, I thought all that part, those parts of the movies yeah. or the movie was really good. Oh, and yeah, I mean, like going along with that too, it's like, uh, I think it's Caldecott. Uh, when he gets like, yeah. he, he no sells a bullet through the hand. Like there's, oh the, yeah. 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 He just like, he, he gets mm-hmm. hit in the hand. He like looks down at it. He walks in. He's just like, Oh, 
yeah, I've just been shot through the hand and like mm-hmm. no, no cry, nothing. Just like, I thought that yeah. was like a really, really good scene. Um, yeah. Yeah, that scene was good. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other movie too, that like comes to mind is um stagecoach, uh, John Ford stagecoach. Cause it's like kind oh, of yeah. the same idea. It's like confined characters on this uh, adventure. And there's like, sort of like, mm-hmm. um, they have to come together. They have to, uh, right. they have to, you know, I mean, obviously, this movie's got a little bit more is more complicated, um, mm-hmm. just because of like the whole uh, ridiculous spy element in this. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's so. That's one of the problems I have with it. Even uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, so like, like what you're saying, like I get all that stuff. I did like, like the the humor elements and certain parts about it. But like one thing that I just thought, like I don't know if this is like a weird nitpick that like. I can see people who like the movie would just be like, Psh, like get over it. Like nothing's as creepy thought, as nitpicking. Yeah, like <laughs> I thought the conspiracy was too big for how it actually played out. Because they were like, they made this big be- deal about like who this lady was and like why they needed to take her out, basically. But then there was like, th- there were individual elements where, like at the end when it doesn't go good, they have like the army stop the train. Like, they have a ton of influence, but then they also, like, they just try to, like, steal her from the train, but they can't even get that right, kind of. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just didn't think it really meshed well. Like, I thought I thought the way they were, what they were selling was, or they were selling something different from what they had. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah. No. So, okay. Um, to go along with that. So, I, I busted out my uh, copy of uh, the Hitchcock Truffaut interview book that I have. Oh, and, sure. and so I read a little bit there about the uh, Lady Vanishes specifically, uh, which apparently uh, uh, Truffaut like watched Lady Vanishes once or twice a week. Like what? Like all the time. Cause it was like back in the old days, uh, movies would just play endlessly in theaters. Yeah. Like it was, it was cause we didn't like, you didn't mm-hmm. watch it on TV in the fifties and um, you didn't pop in your Blu-ray uh, then. And mm-hmm. so yeah, like in Paris, like you'd just be able to like, Oh, I'm going to go check out uh, lady vanishes. And he would just go to it. And he always mm-hmm. would say that like, he would go to like watch it specifically for the technical aspects, but he'd always just wind up getting caught up right. in the story. Um, okay. And he talks about like, there's the one, uh, bit like where they, they talk about like how stupid the idea is like this whole notion it's like yeah. well, wouldn't there be a more efficient way of getting this like information about this pact between two countries that they actually never tell you what this pact is or what countries yeah. are involved uh, yeah, then yeah. The, and then you use this like little old woman that like is completely like not able to take care of herself um, right. and like she's like the most useful version it's like well, wouldn't you like you know use a carrier pigeon or anything like that mm-hmm. and I mean like they just laugh at like yeah like essentially and Hitchcock's totally aware of this he's like yeah the central conceits like it makes no sense but it's a fantasy movie and i mean when you start thinking about like what hitchcock's like his thing i guess in all of film is like he's like a dramatist sort of like and he's creating these situations because he wants to evoke emotions rather than an intellectual response so like his yeah. movies aren't like like the plots are kind of there just to like set up the next sort of suspenseful thing or like whatever next kind of beat comes. And I mean, I don't think he, like he's getting better at it. I think as this, Mm -hmm. at this time too, um, when he's making this, but I mean, like there's like these weird, like technical things too, that are in the movie where like, uh, there's the bit where, uh, when Dr. Hertz, the, the, uh, the urbane villain, uh, he's like, he's waiting to like, for, um, the two to drink their, um, 
the, the get, to get drugged like or poisoned. Roofies. Yeah, they're roofies. Yeah. And there's like apparently that scene, like you don't notice this until like after, but it's like, oh wow, what it is is like. So there's like the one shot from kind of. Uh, on the Dr. Hertz's side of the table toward the two actors and they just have two regular glasses. But when they right. cut back, they actually made giant oversized glasses. Like they were like 10 inches tall. And so they could shoot okay. them in the foreground because camera, like, right. and so, so it makes it like the camera's like, Oh my God, here's the, here's the glasses with the, like with the roofies right. in them. Um, and like, it, it just drives that home in this like sort of subtle way, at least for like that period yeah. of time. I mean, it's like kind of like, yeah, those type of close-ups weren't kicking around that much outside of like German expressionist films, which is like a big influence on Hitchcock's career sure. um, at that point, especially because he went to Germany. Um, yep. Yeah. So like, there's just like so many little things that I just like to See, look at in yeah. the movie. Um, what the other, th- mm-hmm. one of the main um things about the story that I kind of like clicked with too is just like the relationship between um uh, uh Redgrave and um oh uh, Margaret Lockwood. As I, I thought they had a really good chemistry. Um, they played off well off one another mm-hmm. and it really reminded me of uh screwball comedies. Um mm-hmm. and it's like strange cuz like no one, not a lot of places like mention like Lady Vanishes as like a comedy thriller, even though like mm-hmm. it really is like it, it, yeah, it it's not like is. yeah, it's not like laugh out loud hilarious. Which like oh man, the commentary track guy, he like I don't know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I hate when critics say something's hilarious, saying like oh Hitchcock is such an artist. It like he he makes the yeah, audiences yeah. laugh so hard, but not enough that they don't hear the next line. I'm like no, they, he doesn't do that. It's I don't know. What, it's like what, hey man, nobody yeah. cares. It's like easy, yeah. easily amused people. Or like just mm-hmm. when critics have to try to talk about when something's comedy and it just it's not how comedy works. Um, yeah. So no, no, I agree with you. So yeah. I have two things to say about the two leads' relationship. Yeah. Number number one, I agree. They were they had a very good chemistry together. Number two, that guy was a borderline rapist, right? Do you know what I mean? Are you talking about the scene where he walks into her bedroom? Like or yeah, like, he wa- or well he end? walks into her. Yeah, he walks into her bedroom and then he's like, I'm staying with you now. And she's like, she's like, goes to pick up the phone and he's just like, if you tell anyone, I'll just tell them that you invited me in. Oh, and I, I, <laughs> yeah, he said that and I was like, oh my God. Uh, like, cause I was like, right at the start of the movie, I was like, does the lady vanish? Cause this guy like <laughs> fucking kills her in her hotel room. I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like, for. Uh, a 1930s movie. I thought that was going to be pretty rough. It'd be like a David Fincher movie, but um, yeah, it turns one of those so, like 1960s roughy movies yeah. I was watching. So like that happened so early on, it really distracted me. And then like later on, like when they're like they're like kind of like chummy, and he's like, "I believe you, doll." I was like, "Hmm." <laughs> I was like, "I'm a little weary of this guy just based on his previous behavior." And uh, I also thought it was funny that. Uh, the way he was described in text on the internet was a musicologist ah. because he played the flute. So he's a musicologist. Yeah. So well, because he was, he was he was trying to recreate those uh, that fictional European countries like dance yeah. and which is like just like mm-hmm. it's all set up for like I mean yeah it I don't know it's it's definitely a product of its time in a lot of regards but I guess yeah. that's like one of the uh, great things about film is you can like capture this like periods uh taste in um i don't know comedy and in like what sort of storytelling it wants to do um and that's why like yeah it's like kind of a weird way of like getting into like that mindset of a uh a period you did not live in yourself 
Sure. Yeah. And or yeah. and and like also mean like whenever we get to a more, slightly more contemporary movie, like movie that came out in your lifetime and like going back to something that came out 20 mm-hmm. years ago and going, man, remember when people thought gay jokes were like the best? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I know what you mean. But, uh, I just remembered something too, like to fit in with how uh, I was saying like it's it seemed too big. Like the conspiracy was there was a thing near the end where like they they have that nun that was like in on the thing yeah then she like double crossed them yeah. so they like they like make an effort to make it look like they're like we're going to kill you because you know too much but then they don't actually do it but then the army stops them and they're shooting the whole train to like kill everybody yeah. so i thought that was weird i was like it was like you were totally gonna do it you had no problem with it but then you didn't kill her but then you went to the army and then you decided to kill anyone every way anyway so it's like why didn't you just kill the nun I guess, I don't know, maybe the, the character didn't have the stomach for it, so that's why they got the army too, but I don't know. That was that was one thing that like fit in with that the thing that I was talking about earlier. I was like, it just seems like, it seems a little off. Like, and, and like you were saying, like, I don't really care that it was like an old lady who had like trade secrets. Like, that's fine. I can get down on that. Yeah. It was just, I, I thought that some of the things were, I don't know. I don't think they fit right for me. That's all. No, no, that's fine. I mean, like, I can definitely, like, I don't think necessarily uh, 1930s comedy thrillers are going to transcend yeah. time and, like, make it, like, are you are speaking a universal language? Um, it's not my wheelhouse. Well, I mean, that. well, that, that's actually, that that, that brings up uh, something I wrote down. This is actually a perfect way to address it is, so how would J.J. Abrams sex this bad girl up of a movie? Miss Freud would definitely be a hot 20-something young mistress with like one of those 90s choker necklaces Mm -hmm. and there would be a a gratuitous scene where like chris pine would turn around and she'd be like naked and she'd be like huh she'd be like turn around no uh and then like when the lady gets concussion or when that guy the musicologist goes into the room they would bang for real instead of just implied stuff right or potential banging Mm. I don't know. And lens flares, I guess. Lens flares, yeah. Lens flares. I don't know. What do you think JJ Abrams would do? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I leave the hard questions to you, man. <laughs> oh, well, lens flares. Yeah. Let's just leave it at that. But, uh, yeah, I guess I'll, I guess like the one thing with the screwball comedy thing I was going with was so like I was like really mindful of um, there's like a 1934's. Um, uh, it happened one night. It's like that uh, mm-hmm. with uh, Clark Gable, um, which will, which is also in the Criterion, and will be talked about some day down the road. Um, one and day, it's, and it's like that. Re- that relationship is very reminiscent, um, and probably would have definitely been like. I think that movie was a huge influence because it's just like all the screwball comedies that just started getting made at that period of time. Um, well, one because mm-hmm. one movie I did watch, um, thinking that maybe it could kind of tie into Lady Vanishes but I also just wanted an excuse right. to rewatch it was Bringing Up Baby uh, uh, directed by Howard Hawks that came out the same year mm-hmm. and this movie doesn't really like uh, tie in at all to Lady Vanishes but this movie is really amazing um, mm-hmm. uh, Catherine uh, Hepburn and Cary Grant uh, have such awesome mm-hmm. chemistry the one little fun <sighs> factoid that I saw about them was that uh, apparently the movie went like way over budget and one of the excuses that they use is that apparently they just like kept 
like breaking out in laughter during their exchanges, which is like mm-hmm. the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like just like this idea that oh, our film was like we ran out of film and it cost so much money because the actors kept yeah. laughing so hard. It just seems like the stupidest crap that would have been told like to promote yeah. a movie to say this is how funny mm-hmm. it is, folks. But it's now like mm-hmm. canon in like critical circles or at least in some. But I'm like, I that just sounds like bunk but hey i don't know man i've seen cary grant in a movie once and i don't believe that he's a a fun loving guy that could get down with the ladies at all he's got something weird going on with <laughs> well, him I, I don't know i don't know what it is but what like can, 10 can, minutes of seeing cary grant on screen i was uneasy can, can i uh read to you the uh, text you sent me while you were watching north by northwest <laughs> Is it going to get me in trouble with uh, the audience? Uh, probably, but I believe. Okay, you, whatever. You, you, you asked me, is Cary Grant special needs? And well, I, I'm serious. <laughs> I'm serious. Have you ever seen that fucking guy in North by Northwest? Like the way he like talks and presents himself is so like unnatural. Like it's like do you know people who people who are like unable to fully understand social uh, situations. Do you, do you, you know people yeah. with like I might they, be one of those people but yeah so like he that's kind of how it seemed to me like I was just watching him and he's like it's like I said it's so unnatural like it's just like has this guy ever talked in real life like ever like how is how is he one of the biggest actors of that generation I just don't understand Um, I don't, I don't get it man I don't know what to tell you because I mean like by North by Northwest like that's kind of like Ladder period, Cary Grant, and like actually, like your your little comment actually was in my mind when I started watching Bringing Up Baby, and like the first like five ten minutes, it's like pretty goddamn hilarious. With that, you're like, oh my god, is what, what is yeah. is he is he a little slow? I don't know. <laughs> They're just like he's just like a little dense or something off, but like he kind of like drops that as the movie proceeds. Um, yeah. but yeah, that uh man, because that's that movie. Uh, there's like a cadence in like Howard Hawks movies that's like kind of legendary. You, once you watch enough Howard Hawks movies, you start really picking it up, especially like something like uh, sure. Think the Thing from Another World. And I found that there's a lot of that stylization in uh, Lady Vanishes as well. Or there's this like right. there's this a style like the way the characters talk back and forth and like are almost like talking over one another just to get like mm-hmm. little snippy comments out of the way. And I think that's just like um uh something of that period of time like there's a, there's a, a permanent sass that defines mm-hmm. uh the characterization in that period of time i don't know mm-hmm. that sounds like a dumb way of saying this movie has like some pretty cool dialogue and it's a it's just a fun movie all the way through um no yeah like yeah. i yeah i agree with that like I- I mean, I, I wasn't like hot on it, but I did enjoy watching it. I do think it's like it's a pretty, it's a solid movie. It's just not, as I said before, it's not an ultimate slam jammer for me. That's all. Uh, you don't know. That's uh, yeah. I can't really defend it too too much. I mean, that yeah. is uh, yeah. So I, I it's the way the cookie crumbles, that's man. The way, that's the way cookie crumbles. Mm-hmm. Hot hot slogans coming out of here. <laughs> Let me tell you, baby. Yeah. No, I don't know. Hashtag yeah, tapes. I, yeah, I think like what you said, like all that behind the scenes stuff and like production and like all those little things. I think that definitely would make it more appealing, like like knowing the work that they put into it. But as I said, I I am that guy who went into the theater in 1938 without knowing any of this behind the scenes stuff. And that's how I came out. I was like, yeah, yeah, as I... Yeah, I don't think I'll, I don't think I'll ever watch it again, but I am glad I watched it. 
So that that's I think that's a pretty good mark on it. There's a lot of movies that I wish I never watched. So glowing praise, glowing praise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for the uh, the master of suspense. Yeah, I'm I'm glad I watched it. I just won't ever watch it again. <laughs> Hitchcock is rolling over in his very large coffin. Whatever. <laughs> He he had a, he had a good time when he was here, so I don't feel bad yeah. for the guy. Yeah, he is uh, Britain's last great big man. What about um? Yeah, I got nothing for like you. What haystacks Calhoun? <laughs> sure, sure, sure. He sounds pretty big. Yeah, that sounds like a totally real non-made-up name. <laughs> Look haystacks it up. Haystacks Calhoun. Yeah. No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to buy into your My. your. Lies. You're whatever. Yeah, you're wise. That's all I get from you, man. Alrighty. Well, like this podcast we're doing. You can't see, but I'm doing air quotes. Podcast. <laughs> uh, sure. Well, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually uh, message you here uh, a link to a Google search for uh, Haystacks Calhoun, and we were going to get you your, do it. We're going to get your live uh, reaction to seeing. Don't do it. Um, our man here. Oh, it's, it's going to happen. Okay. Any minute. Oh, there it goes. All right. To the audience out there, I am opening link to Haystacks Calhoun. Jesus. Well, you could have just made that up in the <laughs> five minutes we were talking about it. Yeah. He, he looks like, like, I don't know, man. He looks like a Bayou boy, like a mix between George the Animal Steel and, I don't know, Jim Varney? Is that, is that accurate? <laughs> I, I, there's a little bit of like Teen Wolf in there too. Yeah, there's some Teen Wolf two, Jason Bateman Teen Wolf, yeah. because I know you've never seen Teen Wolf one, which is mm-hmm. fucking atrocious. Yeah. No, so, there's there's all I the think, there's all yeah. the great big men. Uh, you know, there's Happy Humphrey, Giant Haystacks. Yeah. Yeah. Bam Bam Bigelow. Uh man, the, the, the Bam Bam Bammers is not even on the same level as these the big tubby bitches. Yeah, that guy was. I, I won't lie, that guy was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, Bam, I can dig on that. Yeah, Bammers actually could have a good match, um, and he could do uh, a somersault. So it's like mm-hmm. I don't know. That's better than uh, these immobile beasts uh, would have been capable of in their day. Right. Um, right. But that's enough uh, pro wrestling talk. Um, I don't know. Yeah, we uh, gotta stay away from that. So uh, you, your final vert, I guess, is thumbs in the middle on uh, Lady Vanishes. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a solid recommendation. I think this movie is pretty good. Uh just like mm-hmm. lo- lots of lots of stuff to I don't know, it held my attention. So, hey, mission accomplished and um yeah. I'll say I liked it more than Grand Illusion. Oh, now see. Now we're we're, we're going to build that canon, the Criterion yeah. Creeps canon. But my ranking so far is 231 right. for the spines. Yeah. So you take that as it is. I will take that to the bank. And brother, we will see you after the break. Well, she's all you'd ever want. She's the kind I'd like to flaunt and take to dinner. She always knows her place She's got style, she's got grace She's a winner She's a lady Oh, 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 she's a lady Talking about 
And that will be number four in our Criterion Collection Creep. And that's going to be Fellini's Amarcord from 1973. Hey. Hey. Oh, man. Uh, Here's my preemptive uh, review of Fellini. Just fart sounds. Well. So stay tuned, people, uh, viewers. Oh, man. For my hot take on Fellini next week. Please. Please tune back in. Please. 